kindness, to be polite and respectful. Simple, right? After all, these principles are widely shared in 21st century America. Our church teaches us that we are obliged to care for people who can't care for themselves. Our schools reward hard work and demand respect. Kids learn good sportsmanship from playing tennis and soccer. The heroes of their favorite movies and television programs are generally pretty brave though occasionally a little goofy. SpongeBob, anyone? With one exception. Penelope and I are capitalists, and not just because we've done pretty well out of the capitalist system. We believe that free market capitalism is not only the most powerful engine for human prosperity ever, but also history's strongest force for freedom and human advancement. We believe, no, we know, that economic freedom is as important as religious freedom or freedom of speech. We believe that productive work freely exchanged is a virtue, just like charity freely given. Please don't misunderstand this. We're not teaching Blake and Scott that their purpose in life is to get as rich as possible. It's to make sure that everyone is as free as possible. For us, the only difference between defending economic freedom and defending religious freedom is that while the mainstream culture offers no real opposition to the many ways in which Americans worship, there is a powerful current of antagonism toward the ways in which they do business. Some of the attacks on free market capitalism are overt. The idea, for example, that capitalism is unavoidably brutal, or at least immoral. Some are of the more-in-sorrow-than-anger category such as the notion that we should increase the benefits of the free market by taxing and regulating it into submission. Many are specific to the issues of the moment, like the idea that the best solution to the unsustainable growth of entitlements like Social Security and Medicare is to make them grow even faster. You can't make up some of this stuff. And that is something worth ranting about. Not anything my kids do, but what is being done to them. Consider that during Blake's first ten years, the United States of America not only elected a Republican president who increased the nation's debt by more than four trillion dollars, yes, that's trillion with a T, and a Democrat who was certain to break even that dubious record, but experienced the worst economic disaster since the Chicago Cubs were a dynasty. Bad as the Great Depression was for the country, it was a golden age for the Cubs. Between 1929 and 1939, they won the National League pennant five times. On the other hand, they didn't win the World Series even once. They were, after all, still the Cubs. About the only constant of those ten years, in fact, is that trust in the free enterprise system seemed to sink lower in every one of them. The country, of course, is still suffering from a loss of faith in free markets. But, at least in the Kernan household, it doesn't have to incapacitate us. Which is why we decided to spend a year, it turned into nearly two, taking the antidote. A daily, okay, not daily, but nearly, dose of free market philosophy. It started with asking Blake to start writing down words and phrases she heard but didn't understand about the economy, politics, and so on. Some of them seemed complicated, but weren't. What's physical stimulus? And some seemed simple, but were really complicated. I already know what a price is. Some of Blake's questions led me to discover ideas I didn't know about already, like the Higgs effect.
the way that governments managed to turn temporary crises into permanent programs. And sometimes her answers served to remind me that she was still, after all, ten years old. With Blake, you constantly need to remind yourself of this. The idea of credit, for example, led naturally to an attempt to explain that money has a time value, that a dollar today is worth more than a dollar a year from now. Not, it turns out, to someone whose purchases are entirely subsidized by someone else. What else? Blake and I learned something about the origins of the progressive movement in America, and the fact that its strongest political component has always been labor unions. This is not a coincidence. Progressivism always prefers collective endeavors to individual ones, and the biggest collectivists in the American economy are the ones whose whole reason for being is, wait for it...